Take a deep breath, take the higher road That's what they always say, as if they know the way They won't take it from me But don't ever doubt yourself, it's life ain't just a dream You make your own, so kick and scream The people will like with a never-ending force You never had the chance, so what you waiting for? The day has come, my friend, cause this is war listening to Nurses Out Loud, Friday edition on America Out Loud Talk Radio. I am your host, Nurse Michelle. So many unjust things have experienced by American citizens since 2020. It's not like injustice just started suddenly in 2020. It's always been here. There's always been criminals and there's always been a legal system that is supposed to weigh out the truth and untruth and measure it in the balance to figure out who the bad guys really are. Most Americans are law-abiding citizens going about their lives, pursuing love and work, passions and dreams, having children and raising children, and going through the stages of life that you hope never involves the law. Maybe you occasionally get a ticket because you're like Nurse Michelle and like driving fast, but I actually have never gotten a ticket in the longest time. Maybe you are in a broken marriage and you've had to go through the court system to settle marital property or had to fight custody battles, but But something very unique happened in 2020. American citizens experienced profound inundation with propaganda. And what is propaganda? It's information, especially of a biased or misleading nature used to promote or publicize a particular political cause or point of view. The impact of that propaganda caused fear and fear led to people to do things they would not normally do. Misinformation became an every household word, but everyone was left to figure out who was the one actually giving the misinformation. Another problem arose that was a legitimate virus of whatever you want to call it, making people really sick. So they were sick, scared and fearful, and suddenly hospitals and National Guard in front of them and your loved ones couldn't be with you to help advocate for you inside that hospital. And the normal workings of hospital changed. If you were someone you love, was unfortunate enough to end up in a COVID unit, as Nurse Michelle did, you would recognize that you didn't have choices like you used to. Policies and protocols were suddenly the only thing that mattered, and your choices did not. Your bodily autonomy did not. And drugs were given that proved to be harmful and even lethal. And those drugs are still being given today. Then along comes the savior that the propaganda was all about, the COVID-19 vaccine. It was purported to save the world and our country, purported to be safe and effective and everyone, including pregnant women, including babies and children. But the truth is a lot of people have been hurt. A lot of people died and a lot of injustice happened. And in our country, there are a lot of lawyers and many of them were silent through all of this, but some stood out above the majority because they wanted to help the people find justice and they wanted to make sure that the nefarious powers were exposed and that what happened over the last four years would never happen again. And that leads me to my special guest here today, and that is David Ragsdale. And we're going to hear his story of how he started an organization 
that is now known as the COVID Litigation Summit. And welcome to Nurses Out Loud. David, let's hear this story of how in the world you came to start this organization. Great. So it's uh, the COVID Litigation Conference. Okay. You know, we had done the Defeat the Mandates rallies. We had our weekly show. We were supporting research, finding research, brokering um, information from scientists and medical professionals who had been, uh, you know, canceled or censored, suppressed, attacked, all these things. So we were doing some good work, but we were, you know, thinking about what we could do um, and, and where things could go. My thought was politics is certainly important. It's not nothing, but the law ends up in courts. And that if we were to look back over the last decades, some of the biggest policy shifts have occurred because of massive waves of lawsuits, right? So we think of big tobacco, um, asbestos, right? And that in the beginning, you had small groups of lawyers all around the country disconnected from each other, uh, and they start to notice things, right? Like a doctor's, right? Like a doctor, you know, they, they check, hey, I'm getting, uh, wow, we're having a real frequency of this in my hospital, what about in your hospital? And they get together and they're like, whoa, this is becoming a problem. And, you know, lawyers do the same thing. So... Yeah. We thought that we could connect these expert lawyers, right, who were forming in their communities. And obviously, because of social media, they were connecting at that level. But the problem was that there wasn't a forum exclusively uh, dedicated to bringing in new lawyers, right? So there were lots of very important and worthwhile conferences um, with... Uh, medical professionals, with politicians, with lots of great people, but there, a lot of them didn't necessarily have like an entry point for someone who may not believe in all aspects of what we know to be true about the pandemic right. and the vaccine. And the cool thing about the law is that, you know, if you're a lawyer, you don't have to believe that what your client did was cool or good. You just, you know what I mean? You don't even have to believe, you know, and it's the same with civil litigation, right? It's like, I, I don't have to share the opinion of my client to think that they were harmed or that they suffered an injustice from this big corporation. I don't have to like who they voted for. I don't even have to agree on their views on the vaccine, right? Right. And I can still represent them. So there's that. Then there's the final. So this is the final, the final step, which is really for our movement and the people in our movement is frankly, it's the hardest step to take. And that is that to get more lawyers into the field, people need to be aware of how lucrative COVID litigation is going to be. And that's very, a very hard thing to say because we have millions upon millions of people who are vaccine injured or vaccine bereaved, right? And so far, almost none of them have gotten any compensation and money will never make them right, but it's not nothing, right? And so because you have this huge group of Americans who are still attacked, still censored, not acknowledged, and, and they've got no compensation almost, practically none of them have, 
So trying to attract new lawyers into this field by appealing to their, you know, like, hey, guys, this is a very lucrative field of litigation, right? And I'm not a lawyer. So this is not maybe something that a lawyer could say, but it's something I saw, right? Which is, this is going to be tough, but we have to appeal to people's desire to make money to get into this field. Because the more lawyers who get into this field, the more lawsuits. And the more lawsuits will mean just on volume, more victories. And more victories mean more precedent. And more precedent means that hospitals and other institutions won't do the same thing next time. And so if you work it back, it all starts with how do we bring new people into this field? We have to point to the potential monetary value of it. And because all of us, right, like I've been working for free this past year, all of us have been putting 24 seven into this movement for very little compensation, you know, time away from our families, mental health anguish, compassion fatigue. And that's just those of us who are not vaccine injured, right? There's a huge core of people who are both vaccine injured or vaccine bereaved and are still the heart and soul of this movement. Yeah, Not everyone is like us. And it doesn't mean that we can't get people who are smart and people who know what they're doing to help move our movement forward. And so the COVID litigation conference, which is training new lawyers very quickly, getting them connected to expert lawyers. They can probably find one who works in their state or whatever state that they they're, you know, they practice law in, connecting them and then go and litigate. Right. So that's the very like that's the one, two, three of COVID litigation conference. And it's not always an easy sell to our larger movement. And I totally understand why. And I totally empathize with it. Why is that you think that it's hard to sell? Because it's going to have to focus on getting people in that maybe necessarily are not. Yes. Yeah. So, yes. So it's that. And also because, you you know, like in big tobacco, um, some lawyers ended up making hundreds of millions while the average you know, litigant maybe made what, like 20, 30,000. So this is also something that we hope to solve. Right. So you know, I'm not a lawyer. So, you know, class action, non-class action, I'm sure that's different for each case. But just as, you know, with grad school and economics, I think that if there are more lawyers in this field, then potential litigants will have a much wider selection of lawyers and they won't have to be routed in, right? So just because someone's on Twitter, right? And someone might have been like the most amazing lawyer, right? In terms of advocating for us and all that stuff. It doesn't necessarily mean that in your state, it makes sense to go to that lawyer, right? It might be better for you if if we're able to attract more lawyers so that instead of you trying to chase the lawyer, you had a lot of lawyers trying to chase you. Oh yeah. You see advertisements all the time for people who yeah. are looking for litigants for class action lawsuits. Yeah. Our and phone, my phone, and I don't know how they get my number. I really don't. 
but I take every call uh, and the email is crazy. I get calls all day about people who lost their jobs, right? It's weird. I haven't gotten a vaccine injury one, which would obviously be tougher. And I'm not sure I would know the right things to say because I'm I'm both not a lawyer and I'm also not uh, a doctor or a medical professional. I get calls and emails all the time from people who lost their jobs. And really, those are the quickest cases. And if you look, those are the ones that are winning all across the country. Chicago, New York, California, all over the country, even in very blue areas, these employment cases are winning, which means that for even the Biden administration is suing companies now who enforce the mandates. It's crazy. They're going to blame the corporations for it. No one's really defending the mandates anymore. And so what the government and what a lot of judges are doing is they're saying, yeah, okay, it was the company's fault. And the company's like, well, you're the ones who told us to do it. But, you know, what can the company do? So, you know, it's really, it, we're going to see the first huge wave of COVID cases happen on these, uh, happen on the employment cases. And we're already starting to see it build. And, um, but there's just, the problem, again, is there's so much demand and there's nothing to connect, nothing, right? And there's such a stigma, there's such a stigma attached to this thing that there are probably a lot of lawyers who are picking up cases here and there, but they're they're not going to advertise it. They're not going to promote it. Right. They're just going to quietly. Yeah. But that allows them to select. And we're still in a situation that doesn't allow people who have suffered uh, grievously from these COVID policies, whether they lost their jobs because they didn't take the shot or they took the shot and got injured or they died and their family now is bereaved. Right. right. And uh, it's just hit or miss for them. And so we can't at COVID litigation conference, we can't, we can't fix the entire problem. We are an important vital part of fixing this, but you know, we just need more lawyers. Yeah. I mean, you got to have people that are going to be dealing with the patients who had unjust measures used inside the hospital. Yep. They're going to be suing hospitals where you're going to have patients who said, I don't want that drug. And they gave it to them anyways. I'm shocked to report to everybody out there listening that just last night I was called about a hospitalized patient who was given Paxlovid in December for COVID and it caused rebound COVID 30 days later and they're back in the hospital. They want to give them remdesivir. And when you go and tell the nurse that we don't want to do that, she's like, well, it's FDA approved. And we have to remind her that uh, every drug that ever killed anybody was FDA approved also. And we want, we don't want it. So people's choices have been denied. Then you've got not only the people who've been injured, those people, you've got the vax, like you mentioned, the vaccine injured, the vaccine bereaved, but you also have the censored that have to be dealt with and the evidence of the censorship. I'm not sure if y'all are going to be addressing that, but censorship is a legitimate problem going on. Yeah. Injustice because of this very topic. Yeah. There are a lot of great lawyers who are working on that and then just to, I mean, it's a little tough with censorship because, you know, it's such a horrible problem, but from a, you know, again, I'm not a lawyer, right? You should definitely have Warner Mendenhall on the show. Yes. Uh, he is just a 
a great human being, a great lawyer, um, our partner for the first COVID litigation conference. He's doing a conference in June, so you should have him on to discuss that. And it's real important uh, that everyone support that conference as well. What is that conference that's happening in June? Uh, sorry, it may be in May. Uh, just have have Warner Mendenhall on the show. He's just leading uh, the Brooke Jackson case. And he is like a, not to get so cheesy, but he's like a, a, a valiant knight, right? And then, and then the cavalry is coming behind him, but it's like, come on, you know, we need, we need I, more in the cavalry. He needs some backup. Let's go. Let's go lawyers. I met uh, him actually at the COVID conference in Atlanta last year. I met him and a lot of very powerful minded and uh, speaking lawyers that when they got up and spoke, I was blown away with the force with which how they saw what happened and how they saw the uh, federal level uh, problems that actually they think should be held account, held to yeah. account and heard the medical people speaking against what needed to be done and how the lawyers thought they could uh, help the medical complications that have gone on and these yeah. patients that have had the unjust things going on. I was blown away by every single speaker, all of the lawyers that were participating in it. And I don't remember if you, you may know how many were there, but it felt like uh, several hundred. Yeah. So we had about around 250 people, about 200 were lawyers. Yeah. Um, yeah. No. So uh, real quick back to Warner Mendenhall. Uh, so he's one of these really great people who is leading the charge on COVID litigation. Now, what he could use, right? So it's what he could use, what all these vaccine injured what all these vaccine bereaved, what, you know, uh, everyone who lost a job because of they didn't take the shot. And I'm going to throw a curveball at you. What? Maybe even, and this is very speculative, maybe even everyone who did take the shot because they felt pressure from their job. Conceivably, you could see a future wave of those lawsuits, right? Of so course. what we're looking at is... In terms of like a total addressable market of COVID litigation, you're essentially talking about like everyone who's everyone who had a job. Exactly. <laughs> it's so big, right? And it's, it's tremendous so because I'm telling yeah. you, just as nurses out loud, we are reached out to by thousands of people who, even though they got it, like you said, and didn't actually end up with an injury, they did it against their conscience. They there did it, it against their choice. They did not want to do it. My own spouse did not want to do it, but the pressure by his national, international company was, it doesn't matter that you're at home working for 10 years and have never come into a public place to have to engage with another human being. You also have to have the COVID vaccine. And he almost... Married to Nurse Michelle considered giving it in because why? He's a primary provider of a household. So that pressure on him almost made him cave. Of course, I wrote a 12-page, you know, religious exemption for him to make sure they got schooled and they never did this again and mm. did not do it. But the but the problem is thousands of other people did, if not millions, millions, like you're saying, this is a huge 75% of American citizens got two of those shots. The question is, what and if 75% of them want to litigate because they didn't want to do it, they could do it. 
Well, I'll tell you who's to blame. I'll tell you who to blame. I'm going to be even more controversial. Okay. Let me preface it by saying a couple of things. So I'm a Catholic. I don't go to mass. I would present myself as a believing Christian, but a sinful and a bad Christian. And I'm a little upset at the Christians. And here's why. So when I was homeless and through my own choices, right, through my own actions and inactions, like not going to AA meetings or not doing the steps or not calling my sponsors and then I'd relapse, right? And then what happens? I end up homeless, right? So if you want to talk about someone who's completely in their situation because of their own actions, right? Totally undeserving. And yet the churches in Atlanta, in Cobb, in Forsyth, all over Georgia, right? Every denomination, evangelical, conservative, super conservative, liberal Episcopalian, they all came in and not just to me, right? Food, shelter, medical care, clothing, food some more, amazing food, people to talk with me, right? And they do this for like homeless addicts. And this is a good thing. This is a great thing. It's a blessed thing, right? right. But I know in my experience, it's not like I deserve that. It's not like I merit it. It's not like someone did anything wrong to me. It was I, David, doing these things, which led me into a plight that then others had to rescue me, right? Right. However, when our Christians, and I don't mean all Christians, but it's funny how you don't see anywhere near that response by the churches, by Christian lawyers who 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 will spend eight hours a day raging on Twitter about like the trans stuff, which I disagree with too. I totally do, but they'll do that. And yet why, why in their own church do the vaccine injured have to hide? Right. Why in their own church will their pastor who will go on and on about stuff that people in his church can have no effect on, will never mention the people who were harmed injured and killed by the vaccines that that church may have enabled. And maybe that's why. Yeah. But to me, that would be a reason. That would be a reason. That would be a great humbling moment for the churches in America, right? Yeah. To humble themselves a little and to ask the vaccine injured and the vaccine bereaved in their churches for forgiveness. And what can we do for you? Do you need help? How can we help you? Hey, I'm a lawyer, not a doctor. I should, I'll go to that conference, right? And it's not just about our conference. So I don't mean in itself. So go to Warner's, go to some, or I won't go to a conference, but I'll take your case, right? Uh, uh, I'll, I'll give you some it. counsel. No, yeah, whatever, whatever. Right, whatever you do, but something, you've got to do something churches. You can't ignore this and force these people in your churches to live in stigma and taboo after they've spent years being told that they were liars by everyone. That it, is it makes me so angry. I start to get righteous, which is not God <laughs> because I love, I am a Christian. I'm not a great Christian. I wouldn't call myself a churched Christian. 
And I got so much love yeah. from Christians. And yet I see, I'm not vaccine injured, but I see these Ostracized. And sisters. Yeah. It just drives me crazy. And they're silent. And they yeah. Literally what we're doing here on America Out Loud is literally trying to set people free to be able to actually speak and come tell their story because they do feel like no matter where they go in the society, including the church. And, it, and that's the thing. It, that's the thing. The world will be the world, right? This is not our home. I believe that stuff. And I know I'm sounding now like I'm just listing cliches, but those were important for me. They were so important for me, right? And they helped me climb out of the state I put myself into. And wow. yet, yeah. where where are the churches for the vaccine injured? Where are they? Yes. Okay. I'll Other, I that's wonderful. <laughs> and for those that are listening, you're going to have to tune in to the interview that I do with David, where we actually hear his story into and out of homelessness. So that will be also on Nurse Michelle's Nurses Out Loud um, links, and you will see that on our podcast. But we are going to have to break for a momentary commercial break. And don't forget to check out our online store at americaoutloud.shop where you will find all the products that we support our radio network at a discounted rate, including ASEA, which is the official sponsor of Nurses Out Loud. Check out the Redox 28 Gel, which I can personally speak to seeing fantastic results with pain relief through my hip surgery recovery. I just rubbed that Redox Gel all over my hip, and you need to get yourself some too, because I'm sure that you all are dealing with different kinds of pain. And that is not the only thing that this gel does. So be sure to get some and stop using all that Tylenol and ibuprofen if you're coping with pain. Use promo code out loud to save 15% off your purchase. I'll catch you on the other side of this break. Stay with us. It's time and this is Asiya believes that inside each of us is the potential to feel our very best. Our customers will tell you how our products have made a difference for them. From improving immune health and supporting gut health, to reducing the appearance of wrinkles and even improving mind, mood, and energy. Make our breakthrough products an essential step in fulfilling your greatest potential. ASEA, we power potential. For exclusive savings, use code OUTLOUD to save 15% off your first order today. The pandemic may be over for some, but millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-term effects of toxic spike protein from COVID-19 and the vaccines. Fortunately, Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at the wellness company designed their spike support formula with the miracle enzyme natokinase, scientifically studied to dissolve spike protein so you can feel your very best. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Cardiovascular disease is the leading cause of death and disability. Today's high-stress, on-the-go lifestyle makes it hard to stay heart-healthy. Lifestyle changes like exercise and diet are critical, but you can also support your heart with concentrated nutrients. Healthy Cell created heart and vascular health to support three aspects of heart health, cholesterol, blood pressure, and triglycerides, with CoQ10, vitamin K2, resveratrol, and soluble fiber. And Healthy Cell's not a pill. It's a patent-pending gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients. You would need to take 13 pills to get the same amount of nutrients in each gel pack. And these great-tasting gels come in a small packet. 
Tear off the top, shoot it down, or mix it in water. Get heart healthy. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD for 25% off. I'm so confused. I don't know what to do. I'm afraid of going to the hospital. My doctor tells me nutrition doesn't work. Trust is earned. We are the Energetic Health Institute, and we want to earn your trust. Natural medicine, holistic nutrition, detoxification, fasting, cellular healing, and so much more. Remember, the best way to be free is to be healthy. So stop being a patient and start being a student at energetichealthinstitute.org. When God, through his grace and mercy, gave us free will, the will of the people was to live freely. To that end, we fight for the liberty of all at a time when global tyranny threatens us as never before in mankind's history. This vision is manifest at AmericaOutloud.news, a site for all who cherish free will and freedom. Now is our time, my fellow Americans. America Out Loud Talk Radio, liberty and justice for all. Welcome back to Nurses Out Loud on America Out Loud Talk Radio. I'm your host, Nurse Michelle. Wherever you're listening from today and whatever you're doing, I thank you for giving me the gift of your time. Be sure to make America Out Loud your daily stop for all the latest news and happenings. Where we left off before the break was with David Ragsdale, who is telling us all about the COVID litigation conference that's coming up in March. And we're going to talk about the dates. The links are going to be in the show notes so that you can make sure to attend. But it's even more important that you get this podcast app and share it with all the people in your community. If you know lawyers, you're going to make sure you're going to share it with them because they need to know about it because this this event is specifically for the lawyers and lawyers listening. We want you to come. And he's going to be talking more about that on the second half, but not just the lawyers. We want you that are out there. We were talking uh, before the break, how important it is that the churches recognize that you are actually either going to be part of the problem or the solution. And right now it looks like maybe the churches in America are being more of part of the problem because we have, we know, millions of injured COVID vaccine people. We know that 75% of American citizens did get at least one or two vaccines. Did you get it because you wanted to or because you were made to do it? Did you feel like your job was going to be lost if you didn't do it? Did you get it against your conscience? All of these people are applicable to this subject because COVID litigation is where this is going. We are talking about 75% of our population that got these vaccines. So I want to let David, take off with that and pick up where I just left off. Yeah. And and I, I could even say, let's focus on, say, maybe conservative churches, mega churches, fundamentalists, you know, Pentecostal, all these. So, you know, let's say not progressive churches, right? Because by and large, progressive churches have just given themselves completely over to type of it's not even science yeah but it's a type of like 
quasi-atheistic scientism. It's not actually science, it's scientism, right? right. And and those churches are gone, right? Essentially, not all of them, but they're, they're not even really Christian anymore, right? They're probably not in our audience right now, right? Yeah, and so, you know, and they're still, but even in those churches or places or places where people go on Sunday to feel good about themselves, um, they, there are a lot of people from them who actually, we have a lot of liberals in our movement. We have a lot of atheists in our movement. We have a lot of progressives in our movement who, who, who managed to break with their communities to stand up, right? And say, I can't believe I'm doing this, but I stand with this pro-lifer. I stand with this person who voted for Trump because this person was lied to. I was lied to. We've been censored. And this is not what I stand for, right? And if the liberals and the progressives, and there are a lot of them can do that, what's happening in our conservative Christian churches, right? Where they have no problem doing yet another clothing drive for the homeless, yet another this thing for people so suffering for the opioid epidemic. And I know I'm sounding probably not so pleasant now, and those are very important things. I myself was a homeless addict, right? I benefited from that. But they again, they, they do nothing, and they actually participate in a conspiracy of shame. And right. you know, that is a form of abuse. And Nurse Michelle has been trying to make sure to address that. And one of the ways that you can actually abuse people is by doing nothing. You can actually be a spouse that does not contribute to either income or love or marriage or childcare or um, provision. Or you could be tacitly not involved in the way that you help or don't help raise children. And you're actually abusing the other spouse. Likewise, churches can be hands off. Let's hush about that. Let's not talk about that. Let's pretend like that's not really a reality. When, like you said, in a mega, mega conservative church, there's probably thousands of people who have been literally severely damaged in some way, either by their career loss, by their marriage loss, over the kind of policies and things that actually went down over mandates. Yeah, I mean, there are some really big churches in and around Atlanta with some big pastors who have real big followings. And these pastors will talk about any trending subject under the sun to make their sermon go viral, except for this, right? And there are people in there in their pews or seats or whatever it is that they call in front of their stage where people sit while they perform and they're sitting and they're suffering. Yeah. And there's and, lawyers and, in there. Yeah. There's lawyers sitting in their audience. And there's lawyers, right? So that's, you know what? Like that's what they could do. They could say, you know what? This lawyer, you do you sue people, right? You do litigation. You're not a big firm, but you take cases, right? You take injury and car accidents and all these type of personal injury cases. It's actually not hard for you to to quickly come get up to speed, right? Because yeah. the case history isn't that long. It's not like we're talking about like 
And, you know, like these people have only been suffering for the last couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and then there aren't actually that many cases, right? And the science isn't that hard. And especially around employment, the, it was all cookie cutter, right? And right. it was all cookie cutter. So it wasn't like there's like a thousand different policies that you'd have to untangle, right? The, the, the questions are, are very few. We just need people to step up. Yes. I, do the quick work. Here's a quick inspiration for anybody no. out there listening that's in, a, in any of these churches that, I mean, if you're in a church, your church has men's meetings, your church has ladies meetings. There's a topic always being chosen for each of these meetings. Why would a lawyer who's in a church not want to say, give me a few minutes. I want to say something to the crowd before you get onto your topic today, because there's a major topic at hand. And the topic at hand is that something major has happened. And very likely within our congregation, something has happened to many of our, our many of our followers and they need our help. They need to know how to navigate the legal system. We need to know how to tell them how to gather their medical records. We need to know how to tell them to gather the evidence. We need to tell them that we're here to help them because this is a way that injustice, God is against injustice. He is a just God. It is the opposition of what God is to not let these people find access to justice and, and also let them know that their suffering does matter. Yeah. And, and, and even, even the, the smallest act, right? Right. One case one case, or you don't even have to go that far. Talk to some people in your congregation. Be like, you know what? That person, I know that they're vaccine injured. And, you know, we shunned them a little, not officially, but we, we kept away and we didn't inquire about what it is they needed because at first we didn't believe them. And then when everyone knows what happened, we were so ashamed of not believing them that that actually kept us farther away. And so then the people themselves, the pastors, the lawyers, the other Christians in that community, they have to get over their shame real quick and go run and help love, love on the vaccine injured, love, love on the vaccine bereaved. And love on the people who lost their jobs over yes, the yes, yes, those two obviously people yeah. who stood up for their autonomy and maybe you didn't stand up for your bodily autonomy. You went against your conscience and you really feel bad about that now. But even if you both are not on the same level, this person was willing to lose their job. The other person was willing to keep their job and and submit to the vaccine. But you both are in the same kind of boat. It's a mandate boat. You were made to do something or you lost something because of the mandate and injustice happened. So therefore, that's where the law comes in to advocate for you. And if you're a lawyer, that's why you got into this. And what David is letting us know as lawyers out there is that there you got into this to make money as well. You have to support your family. We recognize that. We it, it looks like this may have great potential for you to have significant income in helping these people. We want you to succeed at helping win these cases. We want precedent to be set. We want this to never happen again. You stand in the gap to be able to help that happen. Yeah, you know, and so one way that they can do it, uh, you know, covidlitigation.com. That's the website. Um you know, 
it's important for people who are experts to start stepping up to the plate, right? Because there are things we don't know yet, right? And there are worse things that need to be uncovered. And it's going to take maybe a, a second wave of people to enter the fight. Because I know this about all of us. We're real tired. We've been fighting this fight. I know you have. I know uh, so many people that I could name. We've been fighting this fight. And the medical freedom movement is a yeah, for, movement. For and, years. and people are exhausted. And you're like you said, you are exhausted. Being, <laughs> and you've been working for free because you're literally going on the steam of the passion for what you know you must do for the sake of other people. Yeah. And and it's we the love we, of other people. Yeah. And so, you know, in addition to the vaccine injured, the vaccine bereaved, the people who lost their jobs because of the mandates. We need your help because we need new blood in this movement. Because we have been working in the trenches for years now. And we could, the cavalry needs to arrive. We need the cavalry right now. Yes, that is a beautiful reminder. And here's another thing that while you're out there listening to us, you're hearing what he's trying to inspire you to do. You actually have the power to actually help set people free. There are people that are agonizing. They've been denied. They've been gaslit. They've been led to believe that what has happened to them wasn't true. But some of you actually worked inside some industries and you actually know some secrets. Mm. You know what was covered up and you know, you know. And you may have told only your closest loved ones and you're afraid you don't know where to go with this kind of information. This is the place that you will have to go. This is where you're going to have a place where people are going to make it safe for you to reveal data and get it documented so that the justice can come for the injustice that's been dealt out. And, yeah. and that's, that's within even the trial date. Like if you worked inside of a trial organization that was doing vaccine trials, you were just doing your job like you were supposed to be doing, but maybe you came across information that hasn't come out yet. That's what he's speaking about. Maybe something within your company. You were part of the meetings that were going on inside your company of what you were going to do that, that HR was going to literally bulldoze down everybody's throat, bully them so that they would submit to this because you heard the fear that those people had that they didn't want to get COVID. They had been lied to and said that if these people don't get the vaccine, we're all going to get COVID and die. So you heard those things. We need the witnesses to come forward and tell what has been heard. Maybe you even recorded it. And, and you need to come forward and give those recordings. Maybe it's time for you to start recording. Maybe there's things that you're hearing about right now and you're going to need to start recording. Find out what's uh, legal in your state. What can you do? Are you in a two-person state where you don't have to give up that you're actually recording something? Start getting the data now and find out from a lawyer that's going to help fight for you. Can you use that data? Can that data help? We will find a way for that data to help the people. Yeah. And we, um, we need more people and I'm just going to keep coming back to that. We need more people. And, you know, I got into this thing. I was working at the, um, homeless shelter in Marietta and I was housing coordinator and, um, 
I had actually lived in Taipei during SARS. That was my first pandemic in 2002, 2003, no, 2003. And when SARS came down in Taipei, it was real weird, but it only lasted a couple of weeks, right? It was nothing like the full lockdowns and stuff. They locked down hospitals and there were like weird armored cars on the streets for a minute and everyone wore masks and took temperatures. In, you know, every time you entered a uh, business or anything like that. And it was weird. But when in 2020, things were trickling out of, of China, I said, this is not good. Because I remember being in Taipei when things started trickling out of China and then onto Hong Kong, right? But this was much worse, right? And, you know, I was like, this is not going to be good for anyone right? What's coming down and, and what the response is going to be. And, you know, and then I became a part of the medical freedom movement. And that was crazy because I, well, conservative-ish, uh, you know, I'm pro-life, uh, but I'm also from Los Angeles, right? So like, you know, I'm real, I don't sound it now, but I'm sort of like, well, you know, I don't want to bother people too much about my politics. But, um, you know, Steve Kirsch, he brought me and uh, Lisa Leahy, who um, she's heading up the COVID litigation conference, this great lawyer who, you know, she's just brilliant mind, went to Berkeley. She didn't practice for years. She raised a family for kids, got really concerned about the vaccines, um, was part of that whole like Bay Area, really concerned about big pharma that would traditionally identify as progressive or classically liberal. And then COVID came down and she got, you know, everything got turned around uh, for her and our liberal brothers and sisters in the movement were all of a sudden now they're far right. And it made no sense to them. And so Lisa and I were brought in by Steve to form um, with Louisa Clary and some others, what became VSRF, which then put together Defeat the Mandates. Yes. And VSRF is Vaccine Safety Research Foundation. That's actually how I found David, because I had technical difficulties <laughs> getting onto an interview there and he came in and rescued me so that I could get on. So I would never have met him and found out how much he was involved with this had the, I not first had technical difficulties. And it's a great reminder that the little trials and problems that we have in this life that are really quite a headache to deal with actually may be opening up opportunities you have no idea about. And I mean, there's so much more that I won't even uh, go into here of what he's opened up to my life. So I'm very thankful for that. And that was all because I had technical difficulties for 45 minutes straight <laughs> and he saved me from that. So I'm very thankful for that. But it was a fun know, time. Yeah, so Vaccine Safety Research Foundation, tell them briefly about what is going on with that organization, what they do. Yeah, so the Vaccine Safety Research Foundation, its primary goal is to uncover uh, research that will expose the harms and the inefficacy of the COVID-19 vaccine to share this as widely as possible. It, it's, um, it has this uh, great weekly um a show on rumble uh not to mention a competing network from yours uh every thursday night um i won't say the time because i don't want to compete with america out loud 
Um, but that's helmed by Livio Sanchez, who's just a brilliant producer, uh, Lisa Leahy, Janet Ferris, um, you know, just a, a just a great crew of people, obviously. And Luisa was obviously the founder of the organization when Steve pulled a few people in and Luisa was brought in to lead it. And then she pulled in a few others, you know, we didn't even have a name. And so we, it was a true startup in the Steve Kirsch style where he identifies a problem. He, he identifies some resources to put at that problem. Right. You know, yeah. And then, and then he brings people together and then he lets them work and he lets them build and create. And then what was created um, with Matt Toon out of Chicago, uh, you know, he came to Steve and he was like, we've got to do something for the people, for the mandates. And then Matt and Louisa were bringing all these groups and coalitions and big important people together and Lisa and I were there writing trying to write copy and and things getting rejected by this big fractious coalition and it was just an amazing time and VSRF was was the core of that yeah what people when he mentioned that he doesn't want to compete with America out loud I I really look at this as we are not none of us are actually competing with each other we're actually finding each other because we're all yes this has been around for seven years and it was set and ready for COVID it was already a uncensored platform before we knew knew that we needed an uncensored platform we knew before COVID that we were not getting adequate amounts of news so there's been an, all this growing media that people can just start podcasts wherever they want to and literally become a voice to the people just because they started their own podcast. And they're just little nobodies, right, that have actually been able to get their voices out there. But something like VSRF has a larger ability to reach uh, larger audiences. And I just think of us as um, other resources that we're sharing with each other to our different audiences so that we can navigate people toward the resources that are actually helping and making a difference for individuals who need those kind of resources. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, there are too many needs by people who have suffered because of the vaccines or the mandates and the lockdowns and the masking. And there are, you know, there are too few resources and and that's what we're trying to do so we identified one one stream of resources right one one area where we could possibly where we definitely could shake some money to the people who suffered and that's through litigation right, right. that uh, in our system that's how you do it right that's how people get compensated in our system through the courts not through generally congress but through the courts. And so that's really what we're focusing on with the COVID litigation conference. Yes. I, people may not realize this, but Nurse Michelle has been in the Federal Vaccine Court of Special Masters for the last eight years. And typically it takes 10 years to lose. And the average person has no chance at winning. It, I've been in it so bad, so long. It's a nightmare Justice doesn't come for the childhood vaccine injured. I do believe that the COVID vaccine injured movement is actually going to finally open up justice 
for the childhood vaccine injured? Because once upon a time, a child being injured with the exact same symptoms these COVID vaccine injured people are experiencing, if it happens to you at two years old, you don't have 25 years on you where you prove to the world that you were normal beforehand. If you're two years old, uh, all of a sudden the world can judge you as it was going to happen to you anyways, and it had nothing to do with the vaccine. Thank goodness we now have, sadly, all these adult testimonies of I was normal before I used to speak perfectly normal. I did not have paralysis of my legs before I got the COVID vaccine, et cetera. So many things have happened like that. And this movement, this legal movement is going to do it. So what is the last plug you would like to give for the links we want to say on this audio for them to go to, to get tickets? Because tickets are not only for lawyers. It's going, we want people yeah, for, coming yeah. that not. Yeah, anyone can go. It's March 7th through 8th. So that's Thursday and Friday. And it's in Las Vegas at the Horseshoe. And, uh, you know, it's going to be an amazing educational conference to connect, learn, and then go off and litigate right away. And you want to buy tickets at covidlitigation.com. You heard it. And make sure you share this and get that information out there. Thank you for being here, David. Thank you. Steve Kirsch is a Silicon Valley entrepreneur and philanthropist who founded the COVID-19 Early Treatment Fund at the beginning of the pandemic. Steve also founded the Vaccine Safety Research Foundation that David Ragsdale mentioned throughout the interview. Steve is working with over 20 scientists, doctors, and statisticians researching the safety of the COVID-19 vaccines. Kirsch published an article on his substack entitled, Why Litigation is Our Best Path Forward. I'm going to read Steve Kirsch's own words. Just last week, the Biden administration sued two companies for refusing to grant religious exemptions for the COVID-19 jab. Meanwhile, the same administration is still defending the mandates in other cases. This is huge, and we need to increase the number of COVID lawsuits wherever we can. In September 2022, at a Vaccine Safety Research Foundation retreat, our team realized that for the near term, the solutions to the various health and freedom crises of the COVID policies would come through litigation and not politics, which is why VSRF organized the first COVID litigation conference last March in 2023 in Atlanta. The first COVID litigation conference was a great success even according to the corporate media. Mother Jones wrote in late March, I watched as some 300 doctors and medical freedom activists who have already started enjoying some success in front of conservative judges at the local level, several have sided with plaintiffs who've sued hospitals for refusing to give patients ivermectin. NPR wrote, attorney Pete Serrano traveled from Washington state where he represents three doctors accused of spreading false statements about COVID-19, said Serrano. There are people who are tremendously intellectually talented and gifted in so many ways who are using those talents to fight for your rights, to fight for my rights. Since CLC attorneys across the country have succeeded beyond our wildest expectations in overturning constitutional medical censorship laws, revealing the Biden administration's collusion with big tech to deplatform doctors and scientists, and even restoring the jobs with back pay and interest of teachers, police, and firefighters dismissed over the mandates, even in deep blue states like New York and Rhode Island. 
COVID litigation is therefore our most viable path forward for this time being. The second COVID litigation conference in Las Vegas is a continuation of the successful first COVID litigation conference in Atlanta. The CLC has become the premier legal event where experienced lawyers in the COVID space come together to share, educate, and connect with lawyers new to this field. Through keynotes, panels, and networking events, CLC is building a legion of attorneys who are ready and able to step into a field of litigation that Rolling Stone Magazine acknowledges will be bigger than asbestos and big tobacco combined. We have assembled a dynamic steering committee of lawyers from all across the country to curate the program. This event will be a high-impact, productive, and joyful event. And everyone in our movement could use a little more joy in our lives. We encourage you to seize this incredible opportunity and share it with your fellow attorneys. If your company offers goods and services to legal professionals, we invite you to explore potential sponsorship opportunities by reaching out to sponsor at thereplatform.org. Join us and be part of the transformative legal conference experience. Nurse Michelle wants to remind you that this topic affects 75% of Americans. That means that a lot of people you know need access to legal counsel. If you're one of the 75% of Americans who got the vaccine, if you're one of the 25% of Americans who did not get the vaccine but lost your job over the mandates or you were discriminated against regarding mandates or you were bullied or coerced, if your college forced you to get vaccinated, if you are a medical student or a nursing student and your school mandated the COVID-19 vaccine, if you're a teacher, police officer, or fireman, you name it, all Americans were impacted by the mandates. This conference is for you. Make sure your family lawyer knows about this conference. Make sure the lawyers in your church know about this conference. Links can be found in the show notes on americaoutloud.news slash nurses out loud slash nurse michelle we are in a war for truth and the truth is it's time for justice it's time